One thing I forgot to mention earlier is just a quick thank you to my uh, my wonderful wife, who um, about spent her birthday week chasing down some furniture decor. Is that the right word? Okay, items um, and various things to put in the mother's room. And uh, I'm a little biased, but I think it looks it looks great. In fact, my son, uh, my six-year-old, was like, I wish we had a boy's room. He's just kind of sitting there, you know, enjoying the AC. Um, and so <clears throat> if, you, if you get a moment, just know she, she's completely responsible for um, that wonderful little room we have there available to the moms. And thank you, Brother Kendrick, for helping us set that up in general. It's very secure <laughs> um, with key fobs and everything. And so, as with everything we do here, I appreciate the excellence in every facet of this church. Those of you who give your time and give of your talents and abilities, and as we talked about on Wednesday, your availabilities to the work of the kingdom in any way. There's a rotating schedule of those who come here and clean um, and keep this place comfortable and welcoming and smelling good. That's important. Um, Thank you, Sister Marcella. Yes. Uh, all the tech that goes into the building. Um, Brother Kendrick for facilitating so much of that, setting it up, and just flat out, just knowing how. I mean, thank the Lord. Because I'd have to ask ChatGPT how to do any of that stuff. And I, I, don't, I don't even think I would be able to. Um, <clears throat> Didn't plan to go down that road, but I do think it's worthwhile to be grateful for everything, everything God has done, everything God is doing, and for those he has put us in fellowship with. Amen. Some of you are here for the first time today. Some of you are here for the first time ever or first time in a long time, and some of you have been here, and guess what? We're all here for such a time. As this, we're all here for a purpose, and thank God that he chose us to put together. Amen. Do you feel that way about this body? I'm, I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful for, we, for us. Amen. Let's take a moment and just thank the Lord real quick before we go any further. I think that's important. That's a part of unity. I thank God for my brother. I thank God for the families around me. I thank God for the examples of fathers who are near me, before me, and behind me. I thank God for the mothers in this room. I thank God for all the, the men and the women, the children, Father. In Jesus' name, I thank God for every gifting, every talent, every ability in this room. I thank you, Father, for placing and purposing us together in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Amen. There are, um, 
really random, and I'm, I'm just trying to follow the leading of the Spirit here, but um, last night I asked my wife, I think we have several business owners in the room, or former uh, business owners, and I'm not going to call you all out by name. Um, you're, you all are very humble. But uh, I wonder if for a moment I, I just begin to feel a burden. I'd, I'd like for us to pray. Um, the culture and the world that we are in now, I believe, makes it increasingly harder to be an apostolic, spirit-filled, blood-bought believer with convictions and values that uphold what the Bible says is true, and then also run a business in this free country, right? Yes, it is a free country. I'm not going to at all insult what, um, what America stands for. I still believe that, but at the same time, it is increasing. It's good to recognize it's increasingly harder to stand out and to be convicted. So I, let's pause. I wonder if we could take a moment. If you feel to stand, do so. We have several in this room today who either own a business, manage a team, have to be leaders in, in the business world, in their occupation, entrepreneurs, and I wonder if as a body we could pray for those who are in involvement there. Amen. Would you stand and just pray that the God of wisdom, the God of peace, the God of protection, and that is Jehovah Jireh, that is Yahweh, that he would cover each and every one in this body who has been placed and purposed at such a time as this to, to lead and to manage to run a business, whatever it may be, whatever venture they are involved in. In the name of Jesus, I pray angels of protection, Father, over every individual, over each business place, God. In the name of Jesus, I declare it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for making yourself available to that. That's something I'd been feeling for a while and truly did not think of that until just today, until just now. Um, I, I want to take us through some scripture, read, read a chapter or two with you. And I'm very thankful because as the Lord led me to these passages this morning, I wondered, Lord, this is a lot of reading. Um... And I, I love reading the scripture and just kind of reading it with you. And we will take what the Spirit will, will give us together. Amen? I love doing that at the same time when it can feel like the inspiration is two chapters long. Then a little bit of flesh gets in the way sometimes. It's just, are we really going to read all that? So I just want to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, given all that. We began to sing some songs about victory, about the battle, which belongs to who? To the Lord. The battle's not mine. 
the things I'm fighting, I may be in the fight, but I don't own the fight, and neither does the enemy. The God I serve owns the fight, and he knows what will happen. He's already ordained it. He's already seen it, and he's placed me where I am today to live through it, to either see the victory or be a testimony, whatever it might be. And I I feel in the spirit today to remind someone and, and give someone just a little bit of hope to push just one more time, to press in just one more time, to give it just one more shot and tell you that even though the odds are against you and the numbers are not in your favor, that the circumstances don't point in the right direction for you, that if you're serving the Lord, if you're aligned with his will, if you're fellowshipping him and you know that the step that you take, the way that you're walking is ordained by him, then that's all you need to do. The battle belongs to the Lord. Water boils at what degree Fahrenheit? What temperature? 212. 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Water is boiling at that point. At 211, water is hot. Water's just hot at 211. But you add one more degree, and all of a sudden, everything you need to create steam power, to create um, the things that can power great machines and technology, begin to become active after one more degree to go from hot to boiling. And it's a really simple analogy, but from us, my mind always goes to sports. And if you're uh, any, any Seattle football fans in here, I'm not even going to say, it's Shane, let, let's go. Let's go, Shane. Love it, man. Um, it's good to see you. I baptized this young man just a year ago, a couple years ago. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, as, as, as another Seahawk fan, I guess you could say, um, still, I'm very familiar with the concept of, I think it was... Vince Lombardi, who said, football is a game of inches. Maybe my brother who played college ball might know that. But it's a game of inches. And we think it's 100 yards. But truly, every little inch matters. And uh, I'm very familiar with this concept because in February 2014, I, was, I saw just how much that mattered. And I'm sorry to bring it back up to your memory and to spend so long on a football analogy. But it really is sometimes the the margin between victory and agony. Like not just a loss, but a big loss. Not just, oh, we we didn't take home the trophy, but, oh, that was the most painful defeat ever. 
Sometimes it can come down to that one degree, just a few inches. And I'm here today because I, I feel prompted in the spirit to tell someone today, it feels like you, can, you, you might be headed towards that agonizing defeat, towards that painful loss. But we serve a God who sees the entire field. He sees the plan. He's already got it in place. And he's put you where he's put you for a reason and for a time. Anyone believe that today? This is the God I serve. And let us be reminded today to just push one more time. Let's go to the altar one more time. What if we could get that mentality? Let me, let me go and offer it up to the Lord one more time. Let me empty myself out and allow myself to get to the vulnerable state where I say, Lord, it's all yours. You, you have the blueprint. You're the author, and you're the finisher of my faith. I give it to you now. When's the last time you said that? And maybe today is the next. I believe the worship service confirmed this. How many opportunities have I missed because I didn't give that little bit of extra effort? Anyone here competitive? Anyone here like to push themselves at times? One of the things that I've found that drives competitive people is that question. Oh, man, I don't want to miss it. What if I don't give it 100% in this moment? What if I don't push just a little bit longer? What if I don't ask that one more question in this business interaction that might get me towards the finish line of whatever it is I do for work? What if I don't research that one extra little thing that could help me? And a lot of us maybe have, are on the other side of this. We've experienced it so many times where, man, if I had just... And if you're an overthinker, if you're an overanalyzer, if you're an analytically minded person, I think maybe you could identify with that. Oh, man, that, those, those three moments, that one season, if I'd have just... For me, that's like every job interview I've ever had in my life. Oh, if I'd have just answered that one story that I had, I could have told him about the time, you know, tell me about a time where you had conflict with someone and re resolved it. And I, I told an okay story, but I had this really good one in my back pocket. I've been there. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James, but I believe you'll be able to uh, catch this in whatever translation you're in today. Amen. Before, before I read that, uh, before we go into this, I believe God has worked within this church to already give us opportunity for expression of faith. The presence of the Lord is in this place. It has really overflowed individual to individual. And I believe God wants to give us some teaching. God wants us to read the word, and not just a couple verses, but, but a whole chapter, and get some knowledge in here for the next time the devil tempts us, the next time our flesh says, hey, you've pushed like too often. I think, I think this might be it for you. I think it's the end of the road. 
teaching can help that. This will help that. Having knowledge of what the Word says and what happened to those in the book who trusted in the Lord and lived according to what He says and what His principles are, this will get you through. So let's, let's get some of this today. Amen? I believe that's my part. Uh, let's read verse 1. So Saul, King Saul, reigned one year. And when he had reigned two years over Israel, he chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. Um, basically, I'm not going to read the rest of the verse, but this is King Saul's first couple years in office, so to speak. The first king of Israel. If you remember, the people of Israel asked for a king. Saul was illuminated and anointed to be king. And he has just become king. And so he's created the first professional army. And it is a whopping 3,000 men. I mean, that's a good amount of people. But we're going to see some numbers here. We're going we're gonna to look at some numbers together. And it says... Um, 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. This is the first mention of a great man. Personally, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and that is the man Jonathan. Someone say Jonathan. And so there were 1,000 men with Jonathan. Verse 3, and Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba. And the Philistines heard of it. And then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, let the Hebrews hear. So the first action recorded of Jonathan, we've just been introduced to Jonathan. He's got a thousand men, a third of the army. And what does he do as soon as he gets a portion of the army? He takes initiative. The first thing or action recorded, event recorded with this man, Jonathan, is him taking initiative and attacking the enemy. So this is a theme. I'm giving you the theme now. We know that he was a great leader. Um, He clearly had the ability to strategize um, and to war. He was a great fighter, great leader of men. And it says, now all Israel heard it, said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines and that Israel had become an abomination to the Philistines. And then the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. So basically, as soon, remember this, they they just got their first king, right? Saul. Saul put together the first army and then the first action by one of the generals of this army is to attack the enemy. As soon as they put the real army together and to use, guess what they became to the enemy, to the surrounding nations? An abomination. And I'm going to pause right there really quickly and tell you that that word actually, it's not like the abomination um, in regards to Molech, as we've been hearing about over the last few weeks. This is actually a different Hebrew word, and it translates to stink. Someone say stink. In other words, Israel had become a stink to the Philistines, to the surrounding conflicting nations. 
And I think there's a little bit of a principle here. The moment God ordains you, anoints you, and the moment you begin to amass whatever army is inside of you, in the spirit, and begin to take action, you know, he's satisfied with you feeling something at the altar and then going home and living your life. Staying the same, watching the same stuff, keeping your language the way it is, not changing your influences. The enemy's okay with that. Let me, let me make that clear. The enemy is all right. In fact, the enemy encourages you to come to church and to go home and stay the same. He loves it. Because then you can be convinced your whole life that you're doing the right thing. When in fact, that's probably the definition of what lukewarm means. As God talks about in the book of Revelations. But as soon as you get the army together and you take a few steps, you attack a few enemy camps, you're going to be you're going to raise a stink in the spirit. You're going to have a certain smell to you to the neighboring nations. And it will become so um prolific that it will be described like an abomination and some of you know what this is like you give your life to God you understand that you begin to walk in God's purpose you begin to dress differently you begin to look differently you begin to talk differently you begin to watch different things spend time with different friends there's a new awareness in your life you've You've begun to fight some battles in the spirit. And the moment you do that, it's going to send some pings in the radar of the enemy camp saying, hey, this one here, they've, they've become, to become aligned to the enemy. And this one here, it's an abomination. We, we need to take it out. You're not going to stink to the principalities of this world until you stand up and take initiative. It's those of us who decide to stand, to walk in our ordained calling and begin to be the people of God who we were called to be. And there is a little bit of a warning here. I don't know if it's as much a warning as an FYI. The enemy will come after you. In fact, let it, be, let it make some sense to someone in the room today for some things you might be dealing with. Yeah, you've taken some steps toward God. You've taken some steps to war against those things that are anti-God in your life. So, of course, you're facing resistance. Of course, you're dealing with some circumstances. Of course, there are some things that are just, how, how are, are three or four things stacking up against me this month? The month I decide I'm going to go to church every Sunday. The month I decide I'm going to read my Bible. The month I decide I'm going to pray in the morning every day. The month I decide I'm going to put that music away. Young person, the enemy will see it as an abomination. And they will act accordingly. So don't be, don't be surprised. Uh, verse 5. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. Right. Spoiler alert. 
The enemy sees you as an abomination. The enemy's going to act upon that. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped. So when you begin to take initiative in your mind, in your heart, in your relationships, in your actions, in your workplace, in your character, in your marriage, in the way you raise your children, when you begin to fight some battles, the Philistines are going to gather and they're going to come against you. You have the attention of hell. Yeah, honestly, I think there have been times, if I can be real with you, there have been times in my life where I probably did not have the attention of hell. I may have acted like it, but hell is like, wow, that guy, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just acting like that. He, he's not sowing any seeds. He's not even coming up on my radar. I say that to help someone today. Inspiration is just a thought. And you can be the most inspired individual in this room. But I'm here today to talk about initiative. When you take inspiration and begin to act on it, then it becomes initiative. When you say, hey, I feel something in the spirit about how God is speaking to me about fatherhood and how I should be as an example to my children. It's inspiration. If all I do is think about it, maybe mention it to my wife in the car, maybe post about it one time, a really good quote, maybe reshare something I see on online. Until I begin to implement it, and implement it to, to the point where it comes into conflict with the things that were influencing my life before that point. It's just inspiration. And I'm here today in the midst of a people who are not just inspired, but we are taking initiative. Does anyone feel that in the room today? Anyone in agreement and in alignment with the word of God today? I'm not just here inspired but let me be here ready to take action out of this room. So that's, that's Jonathan. And as soon as Jonathan got to acting up, hell's attention was had. And of course, now we're here with pretty significant number advantages. Let's just do the quick math. 3,000 soldiers, Israelite soldiers, okay? The Philistines had 10 times that amount of chariots. <laughs> Three, um, I don't know what I'm saying. 6,000 horsemen, double the amount of infantry, but cavalry. Cavalry, not cavalry. And people as the sand, we don't even talk about how many infantrymen there were. Because it was just like the sand on the seashore. It's not even worth counting them up. Overwhelming advantage. Overwhelming number. 
So let's, let's read verse 6. When the people of Israel, the men of Israel, saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and in pits. Men, let's, let's, let's pay attention to that one. Let's bookmark that one. The people were in distress, and when the men saw it, we have a responsibility. There's a responsibility to every man in this room. Every head of household. And it says, and some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan. They they were so distressed, they left. They just flat out retreated. Then raiders came out of the camp. I'm in uh, verse 17. I've, I've just skipped down 10 verses. Came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One turned onto the road of Afra to the land of Shual. Another company turned to the road to Beth Horon. And another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zeboam toward the wilderness. And I've said this before, but, but I want to I bring this home one more time. The enemy will make you feel like it, it, there is a chaotic series of events in your life. But let it be clear, it is strategic. The enemy works strategically to bring chaos to your life. He'll allow five or six, he'll work so that five or six things happen at the same time and you'll be like, they're coming at me from different directions. But in reality, the enemy's saying, oh, these are all orchestrated. I went here, I went here, I went here. We're going to surround them with our overwhelming numbers. There's a good part to this story, I promise. Jesus name. Verse 19. Now there was no blacksmith. This is the other part to how it can look sometimes. Okay. There was no blacksmith to be found throughout the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. And the charge for a sharpening was a pim for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, the axes, and to set points of the goats. So basically, to do any work on weapons, to create any weapons, it cost the Israelites money. And who would they have to go to? Who would they have to pay? The Philistines. So it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and his son, Jonathan. But they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son. This is how bad it gets. Only royalty have weapons. And there's only two in the royal house at this point. It's just Saul with a sword. It's just Jonathan with a sword. And there are 30,000 chariots. 6,000 cavalry, unlimited men. And the reason for this, the Philistines, if you look at a map of that area, you can think about Israel, right? You've got uh, the sea to to the west. Between Israel, between Jerusalem and um, the sea was the land of the Philistines, And so the Philistines were a a seafaring people. They were traders by nature. They would trade with the nations around them. And as we know, if uh, nations who trade, nations who do business with other nations, they begin to exchange ideas and technology. And so the Philistines actually did business with the Greeks. And it brought them the advantage of iron. 
It brought them the advantage of blacksmithing, of, of iron weapons. And so basically, they were the only nation in the region that had access to this stuff. And at some point, Saul and Jonathan, maybe because there was one sword in the land or someone was like, here you go, you're king, so you get the one sword and your son gets the other. They didn't even have access to weapons. So in other words, Israel or God's people, they were outnumbered, number one, and two, they were, um, they had less ability. They had less technology. So it's, it's almost like the numbers were to the enemy's advantage, and so were the abilities and the talents and the resources and all those other things, also at the advantage to the enemy. So that's the lay of the land, and uh, we're going we're gonna to let this flip. 1 Samuel chapter 14, let's go to the next chapter. We're praying about a perspective shift in the room. And I wonder if you could join me in prayer before we go any further. Lord, would you help me to shift my perspective, Father? I know that the odds are not positive. I know that the numbers are not positive. The ability, it it doesn't stack to what the enemy can sometimes put out in front of me. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that there would be a permanent shift in my perspective today that would come from the Holy Ghost, God. Let your spirit move in this room. Let it shift the minds. Let it bring transformation in the name of Jesus. All right, are you ready to go there? Are you ready to to read about where we are called to go, how we're called to act, the biblical example that we are to follow? Verse 1 of chapter 14. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man, bore his armor, his armor bearer. Come, let us go over to the Philistines garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. This is the young man who we know has taken initiative, who got the attention of hell. And his next move is not to sit and wait. It actually says in this passage that while his father sat under a pomegranate tree, he went up over to the other side. This is the call of God for his people to make just any one day. It says, now it happened one day. Almost in the tone of like just an unremarkable, just another day. Jonathan decided, let's go. Let's go. Someone look at your neighbor and just say, let's go. Saul was sitting in the outskirts under a tree. The people who were with him were about 600, and and he's at 600 now because all the the rest of them have, have run. They've begun hiding. And then it says, um, the people, in verse 3, I'm skipping towards the bottom, the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. In other words, Jonathan was not interested in personal glory. He actually just went and did it. And I'm encouraging someone to, as you feel it in the Holy Ghost, it's okay to just go and do it. As you feel to go fight the battle, 
as you feel to go. You don't, you don't need to share. You don't need to broadcast unless you feel to. But go ahead and just begin to fight. Go ahead and just begin to go to the other side and say, I've got God with me. I am the majority. If God and me is the majority. I can see that in this perspective. Verse 4 says, Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other. And the name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Sene. Bozes means glistening white rock. It just means white rock. Sene means thorny, like a crag. And I haven't done the research, but maybe this is where stuck between a rock and a hard place comes from. But this is where Jonathan got. Let's keep reading. The front of the one faced northward opposite Michmash, and the other southward opposite Gibeah. And then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. This is where it gets good. This is where the the mindset shift needs to take place in us today. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Can I tell you today that nothing restrains God from saving you by little or from saving you by much. God doesn't care about the numbers. God doesn't care about the majority. God doesn't care about the ability. God cares about your ability to go over and the boldness that you have to step in and to press in one more time. I wonder if we could stand all across this room one time. And if you agree with that, if there's a witness in your heart to that, would you begin to clap your hands to the Lord and just declare that? This is the word of God. I don't need to cheerlead you, but if you believe it, I will step in. I will press in. I will go over to the other side. It may be that the Lord will work for me today. I know I know there's a majority in play. I know the abilities aren't there. I know the numbers don't match up. But nothing restrains God from saving me by little or from saving me by much. In the name of Jesus. I feel such faith in the room right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated for just a few more minutes. So check this out. I I think this is important to to read. And we're here today gathered together. So this is very, very important. It's a small verse. Verse 7, it says, His armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then. Here I am with you according to your heart. This is the armor bearer without a weapon. Anyone else see this? Jonathan is walking in initiative under the unction of the spirit of the living God, and he's going to fight a battle. And his friend, his brother, the armor bearer, sometimes I'm Jonathan. And then sometimes, let it, let it be known, sometimes I'm the armor bearer. And I don't have the weapon in my hand, but my brother does. 
And it's important as a church. In the name of Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. It's important as a church that we recognize the moments where I am not Jonathan. Where we're not the ones with the sword. But if we have just enough grace in operation, just enough unity in the spirit, just enough connection with the body of Christ to say, brother, I'm with you. I know the odds are against us. I know you holding a weapon and I, I don't really have much of a fight in this. I don't, I don't, I don't really have, um, I don't have a weapon in this fight. But I'm with you. And wherever you go, I am going. I am praying with you. I am fasting with you. I'm going up to the altar with you. And when I see you, when the move of God happens in your life, I'm going to lay my hands on you. I'm going to reach out to you. You're not alone. I'm with you. And God is calling some armor bearers in this room today. God is calling Jonathans and armor bearers in this room today. Some of us are being called to take that step, and some of us are being called to step with someone else. Amen. If a musician can come today. And these words are significant because Jonathan responds, and he says, Very well. Let us cross over to these other men. In other words, thank you because you're with me. <laughs> Very well. Let's go. How, how foolish does this picture look? Two, two boys, two young men going off to face 30,000 chariots, countless enemies, 6,000 horsemen. And yet here they come. I'm going to skip down a couple of verses. Verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. You, you will catch the enemy off guard when you are audacious enough to confront the spirits that are trying to attack you. When you decide that you've had enough and you begin to cross over to the other side and attack, not just react, but attack the enemy, the enemy is going to be like, oh, they've come to beg for mercy. Oh, look at them. They're, they're, they went to go hide in those caves, and there's, there's a couple of them right there. Check them out. And, and they said, the men of the garrison, the, the enemy said, they called to Jonathan and his armor bearer, and they said, come up to us. We will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And it says, and Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearers after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men 
within about half an acre of land. Jonathan's already had one win, and then he goes for another. It's a pretty bold move, but God is with him, and he kills 20 men, him and his armor bearer. Understand this, 20 men. But how much? That, that doesn't align to the sand of the seashore, right? There's still an army. There's still a mass on the other side. There's a camp somewhere with 20,000, 30,000 men there. What, what, what's this going to do? And this is where I'm saying for at least one person in the room today, you might be at 211 degrees could you just turn it up one more degree and get to 212 today? Because here's where, it, here's where it gets good. God gives Jonathan grace to kill 20 of the enemy. Okay, let's, let's go to the next verse. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison... And the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was a very great trembling. I wonder if we could stand today. Can I ask you a question? What if you're just one more battle away from the earthquake that God is about to send? What if, I know you've been fighting. I know you've already taken a few steps and there's still an army. But what if God wants to send an earthquake to really do the work that you can't do, to really do the work that humanity can't just make up? What if? There's an earthquake just past your next pressing in. What if there's a supernatural event? What if it's all supposed to break loose if you just take one more step? That's what happened here. Jesus' name. It says, now the watchman of Saul, in verse 16, looked, and he he saw the multitude. He saw the army, and they they began to melt away, is what the Bible says. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 cavalry, unlimited enemies. They began to melt away. And they went here, and they went there. And verse 17 says, Saul now began to say, call the roll. Who's with us? Who's not with us? And they began to realize, oh, Jonathan's not here. His armor bearer's not here. And Saul begins to do some things because there's some more context. We don't have time to get into it, but Saul's a little bit out of alignment. He's not in the will of God. He's, he's looking to earthly places. He begins to bring out the ark, and he says, hey, bring the ark out. Let's, let's do the traditional thing.
And then it happened while Saul talked to the priests that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. We don't need to do the I know there's tradition, I know we have process, but there's some things that are shaking in the enemy camp. It's time for us to stop waiting. It's time for us to stop just standing around. It's time for us to begin to take a step. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go to the enemy camp. It's time for us to claim back what is ours. So let me ask you the question again. Could it be that you are just one prayer away from the earthquake? Could it be that you are just one step away? Speak to us, Father. Speak to us. This is significant. We just got three more verses right here. It says in verse 21, Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, in other words, those who had already surrendered, they also joined the Israelites. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden the mountains of Ephraim. When they heard the Philistines fled, they followed hard after them in the battle. Can I tell you, you take one more step. God sends an earthquake, and there will be 20 people who have been waiting in the wings, who have backslid, those who have walked away from the Lord, and you just begin to get in the middle of the mess that God has ordained you to get into. In the name of Jesus, there are people all around this region. There are people all across this state. There are people all across the city of Renton, the city of Kent, the city of Federal Way, the city of Puyallup, the city of Enumclaw, the city of Warding, the city of Tacoma, the city of Lakewood. In the name of Jesus, they are there. They're in the enemy camp. They surrendered long ago. But could it be that as they begin to see the faith of one individual? I'm praying this is what takes place in the region. That if we, if if it's a small apostolic church in the heart of Puyallup with people who attend from all across the region, if we could catch the vision of what it takes to just take one more step Whatever we need to do to see the earthquake come, to see what God would send our way, there are thousands in the region. There are prodigals left and right. There are neighbors. There are children from those our children know in school. If you would just take initiative today, if you would just step out. Verse 23, it says, so the Lord saved Israel that day. So the Lord 
Jonathan didn't save Israel. Jonathan's armor bearer did not save Israel. The army of Israel did not save the country of Israel. The battle belongs to him. Anyone know that today? Can anyone say that today? If you could lift your hands and just begin to tell them, the battle is yours, Father. The battle for my mind, the battle for my father and my family, the battle battle for salvation for my children, God. It belongs to you, Jesus. There's some people in the room who I feel like sometimes we can get caught up. We can get caught up in the numbers, in the circumstance, in what the world projects will take place if we were to stand up to it. God doesn't care about the numbers. God doesn't care about the lack of ability. God just wants your surrender and your initiative. Could I tell you today that if you would be consistent, if you would just begin to build some consistency today, he's producing excellence for you tomorrow. If you would be faithful over few today, the little things, the one moment God is giving you right now at the altar today, God will lead you to stewardship over many things. The hope that you exercise now, the hope that you begin to exercise right now, could begin to become the light you need in the dark places up ahead. I, I just feel prompted in the spirit. We need to talk about gratitude. It's literally unhealthy for someone to be ungrateful. The world knows this. You don't have to be a Christian to understand that. Scientifically, it's bad for you. It's bad for your lifespan, which is number of years you will live. It's bad for your health span, which is how long it'll take for you to get to the point where you're one sickness away from death. It's bad for you to be ungrateful. And I don't know about you, but creation reflects the creator. And how much more are you and I called, even in the midst of the mess, called to say, no matter what, in all things, I give you thanks. In all things, I thank the one who brought me here, who keeps me here, who guides my steps. I am thankful to you, Father, for every mess up, Lord, for every mess, for every situation, God, that led me to this point. I thank you for it. I endeavor to be faithful. I endeavor to be consistent with what you've given me. I endeavor to press in one more time, God. I'm here to step in one more time, Jesus. I'm here to give my heart one more time. God. 
It's always amazed me. I, I read a story recently of, of a marriage survey. Okay. And how there were people who responded and they were dealing with financial issues, relationship issues, family issues, all these things. But they responded saying, we're doing as well as we could be. We're fine. We'll, we'll make it. I'm, I'm blessed to be in this marriage. And they found that the, the same set of circumstances, for everyone who had that perspective, there was the same set of circumstances for another group that would say, our marriage is on the fritz. It's on the rocks. I don't know if we'll make it. I don't know if I can make it past this situation. And can I just tell you the power of perspective? How do you see yourself in the kingdom? How do you see the mess that God allowed you to walk into? And what are you going to do with it? God forbid that I'd be a part of the group that says we're outnumbered, we're, we don't have the ability, we don't have the technology, the, the enemy, they're going to win. They're, they're going to overwhelm us. God forbid that I would be a part of that group. I wonder if there's anyone here today, and I want to open these altars, if there's anyone here today who says enough is enough, I'm going to take one more step. I wonder if you would come to the altars as the musicians and the singers begin to sing. And if you could one more time just offer it up to God. The word of God says, if God be for us, who can be against us? The word of God says that he knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. I don't know what circumstance brought you to this place, young person older person, whatever walk of life you're in today, I wonder if you would give yourself to God one more time. Let my story end with so the Lord saved Israel that day. Come on, endeavor just one more time. One more time. Press in with everything you've got. still a fight in you is there any fight left in you today if you need prayer come on press in press into the front if you've come up to the front would you press in towards the front right now in the name of Jesus
scripture to you. James chapter 1 verses 2 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, someone say, I know, I know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Could it be that God has put difficulties into our lives for developments in our future? I wonder if we could begin to stop asking God, take away the difficulties, but if, what if we could just begin to change our perspective as we sing this song again and say, thank you for the development. Thank you for what you're doing to build me, to grow me, to progress me, to move me forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I wonder if we could do that one time.
it in the midnight hour. God's gonna turn it around. It's gonna work in my favor. Hallelujah. Do you believe it? Say, late in the midnight hour. God's gonna in the name of Jesus. Depression. I'm gonna turn it. Over my finances. Over my family. Over my relationship. Over my future. Over my career. Over my job. Turn Before we go, faithful. Wonder if you could sing that with us. Sing, I'm still, I'm still in your. You believe that? This is my confidence. You never fail me. Let's sing that again. Sing. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. Sing, I'm still in your hands. I'm still in your hands. This is my, this is my confidence. You've never failed me. One more time, sing. Your promise still stands. Great is your You've never failed me yet, Jesus. name. Father, I pray you would bless this church. Bless this body, everyone in this room today, Lord. I pray that you would go with us. We are a people, Father, committed to you, taking initiative, not just inspired, Father, but moved into action to share the gospel, to minister to the brokenhearted, to bring healing to those who are hurting, Father. We walk according to your purpose. It is you who saves us. Let it be as the scripture says, then the Lord saved Israel that day.
Let that be written of my story, Father. Let that be written for my life, God, for my children, for my wife, God, for my neighbors, for those who I've invited to church, Lord. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. If you're still praying, you can stay at the front. Would you fellowship and enjoy some fellowship with those around you? Thank you for being here today. Quick reminder, summer conference is this week. If, you, if you're not in the WhatsApp and need the uh, information, please come see me. Otherwise, we'll see you on Wednesday here at 7 p.m. God bless you. We love you.